today on the RFP. I'm your host, Vanessa Hajari, one of Freestyle's account executives. Each month, we talk to a rock star, or in today's case, rock stars, about marketing and advertising. Today's topic is one that has been always been very important to me, diversity and inclusion, specifically in advertising and marketing. Um, I'm joined today by a stellar group of panelists. First up, we have Zahara Chandri. Zahara is a San Francisco Bay Area transplant in Oklahoma City. She's currently the Senior Digital and Data Strategist at Saxum. Unfortunately, she's a Golden State fan, <coughs> under up. Um, but all jokes aside, she's a lover of numbers, enjoys finding insights hidden in the ones and zeros and communicating them in a way that is understandable to everyone. So thank you, Zahara, for joining us. And next up, we have Drake Johnson. She's the co-founder, president, and chief operating officer at ATD Partners in Austin, Texas. ATD Partners provides an exclusive in-house agency trading desk partnership to select advertising agencies and brands. He's curr- he currently serves as the District 10 Mosaic Awards chairman of uh, the American Advertising Federation. So thank you, Drake, for joining us as well. Rounding out our extraordinary panelist trio, we have Armand McCoy. Armand is the president at Trifecta Communications here in Oklahoma City. Armand is a go-getter, marketing, and advertising professional with experience in helping businesses and organizations of all sizes grow. Armand currently serves as, as the diversity and inclusion chair for Ad Club. Thank you guys so much for joining us. How is everyone's Friday going? It's Friday. Yeah, excited for a long weekend. Yeah, excited for a long weekend. Well, awesome. Well, thank you guys again for joining us. I know we kind of talked a little bit before this, but I'm really excited to, you know, get a chance to kind of pick your brains about everything. I think right now in the current climate of the world, a lot of things are shifting and not only are we in a pandemic worldwide, but we're also just dealing with a lot of different uh, social justice um, things that are happening. So I really want to talk to you about how we as marketers can help impact some good change for the future generations. So we can go ahead and get started. Um, so with big brands that we see on the national scale, like Nike, Hulu, Google, um, being inclusive in their marketing efforts, how do you think brands in medium to smaller markets like Oklahoma City um, can do the same while feeling authentic? Drake, we'll start with you. Oh, thank you. Um, no, I really do appreciate that question. And thanks again for having me. It is a, um, it's an honor to be here, but I was, I've been thinking a lot about this and, you know, with, when you see brands like Nike and I'll, we'll stick with Nike for now, in my opinion, they kind of started this trend. Um, we can go back to, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, uh, issue in the NFL, um, taking a knee and then, you know, basically being, uh, blacklisted from every team still doesn't have a job, but mm-hmm. through all of the while, uh, Nike has been the one to kind of pick up the slack where everybody is left off and really focusing on his, um, his quest for social change. So, uh, I think once we saw that you then started to see this trend with Nike in particular to where, um, pretty much every ad they've come is some sort of, or has some sort of social justice thing, if you will. And I think that, you know, Nike, Hulu, Google being these um, household names that everybody knows, when they do something like that, it can kind of seem sort of like a revolutionary, if you will. Um, it's like, oh, everybody's afraid to do it, but Nike's doing it. So when you look at that in terms of <clears throat> brands that are in medium to smaller markets or brands that don't necessarily have that type of reach of Nike, I think that 
in some respects, um, 2020 has allowed this to become more of the standard um, in terms of being inclusive while feeling authentic. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, in my in my mind, advertising or ads are really becoming a reflection of our society. So um, I really believe that people are looking for stories and ads that they can relate to. Um, they want to see themselves being the main protagonist in any type of ad, whether it's on the web, TV, print, whatever. And, you know, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind on this is um, rest in peace to child of a black Panther. Um, mm-hmm. When that movie came out, um, not just the, the comic itself has been around, people have known what it is, but the way in which they marketed that movie um, to young black men. Um, I mean, I know me personally, I'm 32 years old. And when that movie came out, I felt like I was five again, because I was able to see myself in a superhero role that I wasn't like shading the colors or Mm. anything like that. And the way in which, you know, they, they highlighted and appreciated the, the culture of, uh, of Africa in general and making it, making it unapologetic to uh, express yourself uh, or to um, to have pride in your culture. So I think that that's the type of storytelling that you see in the ads that have effect on people. So um, I also think too, that while that is becoming the norm and, you know, just everybody ads are reflecting our society. So people are, you know, we're changing as society changes, but you have to go into it with the mindset, knowing that there's going to be pushback because while the ads do reflect the changing demographic, not everybody is caught on to that reflection yet, unfortunately. So, you know, that needs to come top of mind. And that's where the education part comes in to, um, to, to your ads as well. So, uh, you know, I have a couple examples of like through the years where I've seen the progressions and, you know, I don't know if y'all remember, but I think it was back in 2012 or 13, Cheerios um, came out with an ad that really caught everybody off guard. And I personally thought it was amazing. It was a ad that highlighted a, an interracial family, um, a mixed girl, a black dad and a white mom. And, you know, everyone saw that. And that really is what kind of sparked my interest in advertising in general, because that was something that was not only different, but the way, the ease in which they made it, I felt, you know, there's something to this, like, this is probably going to continue. Um, but as with everything, it came with a ton of controversy as well. Um, I think there was maybe two or three full days of news cycles dedicated solely towards that ad and the debate around whether or not it should be shown this, that, and the other fast forward a couple years. Um, Zola, the, uh, the wedding registry site. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember they came out with one of their ads that, uh, that uh, highlighted a same-sex marriage couple, and I specifically remember one of the one of the big issues there was Hallmark at the time had pulled that ad, and that made a lot of waves, and so they ended up putting it back. So I think that um, you know while we're we're definitely marching towards the inclusivity light at the end of the tunnel, um, we just need to realize that. We're in a very long and dark tunnel, so we have to make sure that we continue to push that forward and so that these uh, trends do become the norm. And that, and I really do think that um, as we move forward as society um, in marketing, you're going to see a lot of the same. 
um, you know, the effective ads are the ones that definitely act as a sales tool, but more importantly, the, in my mind, I feel like the most effective ads are the ones that act as a mirror, the ones that show who we are and where we want to be in any circumstance, whether that's looking at cars, traveling, shoes, uh, marriage, et cetera. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I think that, I think that just being in 2020 is allowing the authenticity to kind of play itself out, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's great to see it on like the big scale too. Did you guys see, have, see any other ads that made an impact on you, Armand? Um, I think in this ad may have been in probably 2019. Um, but for me, a, a good impact ad that for me was uh, Subaru. Um, mm-hmm. So for a long time, uh, Subaru uh, in their advertising this couple of years ago, they featured a uh, black family they had gone to. I think it was uh, Angels National Park, New Mexico or Arizona or what have you. Um, but it was a fact that in most Subaru ads, you, you never, you hadn't at that point seen uh, a uh, black family owning a Subaru. And then two, in most advertising, you don't see uh, uh, minorities doing outdoor activities. And that's why it's so important um, when it comes to uh, choosing uh, who you're going to cast in various types of ads to really think about the full spectrum uh, of the world around you and that uh, folks feel like they have a place at the table. Um, I always like to say, if people can't see themselves in a space, it's very hard for them to be themselves uh, in a space. So I can remember vividly when that ad played for the first time, I stopped, I like took notes and was like, this is amazing. And I remember messaging uh, Subaru on I think Instagram at the time was like thank you I appreciate you I now own a Subaru uh, because <laughs> there's one yeah. of those things where if I could see someone like me driving a Subaru then it gives me the okay to also drive a Subaru and also do outdoor activities you know I'm a uh, cyclist and a runner and do a lot of outdoor activities and that gave me that space to go okay I'm, I can also belong in that space which I think is deeply important uh, for any minority group to know that they're up there, uh, they belong in that particular space. Absolutely. So how did you see any ads that kind of impacted you in a positive way? I feel like there's so many for me to choose from in the last seven months, but I think, mm-hmm. I can't think of a specific company in general, but I think the ads tactics speaking um, that spoke the most to me were the ones that actually drove um, really, really large changes. So I know there were lots of, you know, tech companies and, um, you know, the Nikes and the Adidas's of the world that really pushed to make, um, you know, Juneteenth a holiday for their employees or, you know, forced um, companies to match donations or extend funding to, um, you know, creators of color. And so there are lots of companies that I kept an eye out on, um, lots of beauty brands. So I know Glossier is huge. They disrupted um, the beauty market and they have done so. And, you know, they started an entire funding program um, to fund, you know, black business owners in that space. And so it was more than just, you know, we're releasing a statement. We've released this really beautiful spot. 
and those are all really important. But for me, what stood out the most was, um, you know, putting your money where your mouth is to drive um, change for a lot of the, you know, marginalized communities that, you know, don't just want another ad that serves as lip service, but is actually going to drive change for the future, especially for Gen Z um, that's coming up. They're so much more vocal and they're demanding that change and they're not taking no for an answer. And I, you know, so I think, you know, Nike and um, Glossy and even a lot of really smaller companies that are, you know, local to these small markets, I feel like have um, used a lot of great tactics um, where actions speak a lot louder than just the statements that they're releasing. For sure. Yeah, I kind of, I definitely agree. Um, it's, it's great that we're seeing all these changes, especially more now. Um, I know for myself growing up as a Filipino American in like Western Kansas, there's not very many Filipinos in Kansas. So um, I know like I would just, like see people on TV and then you'd see, um, I finally start seeing like dolls of like other races and I'm like, that's great. Cool. Barbie looks like me. And then like princess Jasmine, but then all my friends would say I'm Mulan or Pohana or something like that. I'm like, well, I'm not Chinese or American Indian. But, um, I was really excited most recently, um, with Hulu, they, for Asian American awareness month, they released like a bunch of different commercials showcasing all of the, different ads or the different shows and movies that they had on their platform that uh, showcase uh, the Asian American voices. Cause I'm like, that's awesome. Um, whenever I was in college, I was a part of the Filipino American association. And so we would network with other colleges around the Midwest and we were able to um, kind of just talk about how, you know, like we don't see ourselves on TV and even some of the stories in the news, they don't showcase a lot of Filipino Americans, which is Asian Americans mm-hmm. in general. Usually we're um, coined the model minority and, you know, we're just very studious. We're doctors or whatever. I'm like, I am not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. <laughs> like I'm not going to the medical field. Sorry, mom and dad. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so I think it's just interesting to show us in other roles than just what we're traditionally like or what we they think that we wouldn't be doing so I'm like well I want to go into tv I want to go into media I want to do something else so I know that's something that I was like this is something I want to like be able to see and show my future children like yeah like look at all the different people you see on and like you said like with multiracial couples on tv I think just like those little things like like people notice like oh wow that looks like my parents or that kind of looks like the how I grew up. So that's really great. And then I'm glad that they're doing that. But kind of like on the other side of that, what are some things that you've kind of seen that like maybe miss the mark or not having to like um, say specific brands, but what are some things that maybe just felt like a little bit less less authentic coming um, across? I have one, Vanessa. I was going to say, yeah, go ahead. I've I know in the beginning after the George Floyd protests we were all probably tuned into social media and I think um, those first few months is very interesting to see the brands that um, were very tactical and how they approached their statements and you know calling in experts and you know speaking to the diverse members of their staff um, I think what really stood out to me was there was lots of brands that put out you know statements supporting Black Lives Matter and instantly you know people took to Twitter and were like, well, I was fired for supporting Black Lives Matter and openly discussing it on my social media channels a few years ago. And there was a huge makeup brand that had their first um, transgender model out of the UK. And she was very vocal about supporting Black Lives Matter. And 
you know, she was let go. And then they put out their statement following the George Floyd protest and she immediately went to Twitter and ultimately was rehired and is now there and can make that change to prevent that from happening. But I think taking a hard look at your organization and if there's not an alignment there or they've been involved in scandals in the past and Mm -hmm. just expecting your audience to forget instead of just acknowledging it. That was a tactic I noticed her, you know, making statements, but not taking any action afterwards, or you know, you made these really beautiful statements about supporting diversity and, you know, inclusion. And then you look at your board and it's all white mm -hmm. men or all of the leadership is, um, you know, white and there's no diversity in the room. And so, you know, if there's no diversity or equity, then, you know, how can you really be a brand that reflects the changing demographics? So Absolutely. I noticed that kind of missed the mark for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. a great point that you make when you look at, yes, you, you produced a beautiful ad and it was moving, but was there actual systemic change within the organization? So either looking at uh, the diversity within the agency that you work with as a large brand, medium brand, small brand, or the organization itself, you know, um, I know, um, uh, friends and family members of mine that sit on uh, boards of directors have really been pushing to say, okay, um, we need to have more diversity in this board of directors beyond just myself being the one token uh, minority member on the board. I want to see more mm -hmm. inclusion. I want to see, because until you have folks who are decision makers uh, who are also part of that mix, we'll have a great ad that will come through for just a few uh, months and then it'll get back to business as usual. So it has to really be a systemic change. It's deeply important. For sure. Jake, did you have anything you'd like to add? I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with with both um, with both those responses there. I think that we I think that there is a there's a fine line though to toe with that because as needed as we are in the boardrooms and in the decision-making process, we also have to make sure that we are being put in those positions and being given the opportunity to actually make a change. Um, there are a lot of talk of, and you see it all the time where, you know, a company will have a, a press release that, you know, XYZ company just hired their first African-American female CMO um, or so-and-so is the first Hispanic woman on the board of directors at so and such and they do that for the press release but then like everybody was saying there's there's no change that happens it's business as usual and i'm sorry but i do not believe for one second that the person that you've put on this board or put in this position is still going along with the same status quo that got y'all here in the mm -hmm. first place you know so i think that um we have a real opportunity now in this climate to kind of take control of that and not only highlight our um, our uh, abilities, but like put those in action. And all we need is a chance, you know? I mean, I think that that's been proven time and time again. Once we get in the room or we get that seat at the table, then we can take it from there. Um, but I just think that in order for that to truly take hold, we have to, um, as minorities, be more vigilant and once we do have a seat at that table actually uh you know pushing change um to take place from that position 
Absolutely. And so I know that's like something that we had also talked about is just like the hiring practice, not just like even on the higher level, just like the lower level, just making sure that we have that seat in the room. Like, what would you say, like, um, how could people of color, you know, be able to use their voice a little bit more so that they're not like the token minority, that they're able to really offer up a good discussion? Like, I mean, I know that there's like a lot of work on both ends, like for everybody to do to just be more aware, but I just didn't know what other things that you think. Well, and you, in my mind, you hit the nail on the head when you said, um, uh, uh, it takes work on both sides. Because Mm -hmm. to me, I think that brands would be well suited to engage in the communities in which they are advertising. Um, I think that, you know, if a lot of brands could, you know, leverage things such as uh, focus groups made up of community members and high school students, you know, whatever your target is, um, who can provide that uh, diverse and inclusive, uh, you know, point of view that you want to show, because you, whether you know it or not, um, bias is still bias, whether it's unconscious or whether it's conscious. So I think that um, inclusive marketing, if you will, uh, should go, you know, beyond just displaying your diverse employees or anything like that. Um, I think that, you know, starting young or starting in at the school level, um, you know, making sure that these kids in these underserved communities know that they're that, you know, it just doesn't have to be cool to look at a Nike commercial. You can actually make the Nike commercial or mm-hmm. to the kid that, or to the little, you know, black kid that looks up at the stars and wants to go to the moon or whatnot, you know, you can, you can do that, but it starts with that, um, with those types of organizations and companies instilling that into them at a very young age. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I was growing up, uh, I was, the only black person in a sea of white faces in um, upper, upper middle class, West or North Dallas. And the level of just, if there was anybody else there that would, that had looked like me, that was, um, that was successful in these positions, it would have been much easier to be like, Oh, I can attain that. But whenever you see people um, that are in those positions of power, that all look the same, not only look like you, Levin, it's like, okay, well, I should just, you know, put my head down, study, become a doctor or lawyer or whatever, and then, you know, go on your merry way. But I think that we can do better and our ads can be better if we include the community at a very early stage. I was going to say, Vanessa, to Drake's point, I think it's also, especially on the creative side and, you know, you're directing a commercial spot that's going to be seen by millions of people. I feel like um, just relinquishing a little bit of that control and being a little bit more open-minded to have biases called out. Um, I have found, you know, in my past, it's an uncomfortable subject, but I, I don't think it has to be. And I think when you are speaking to a specific demographic, you know, they know their culture the best and, you know, just being open-minded to bringing in an expert or, you know, creating an environment where it's not just, we have these token diverse faces, but at the end of the day, if there's no way they can be honest and say, I don't think this is going to mesh well for the audience that we're speaking to, or, 
you're, I've spoken to a third party and this is how they feel about portraying their culture in this way and not seeing it as an attack. So that was always my challenge in the creative environment is how do you call out someone's creative work as being, hey, I'm seeing some bias here and then not taking it, taking it as a personal affront and more so being open-minded enough to have that conversation. Um, why, why did you see it this way? How can I learn? What can we do better? And then having the resources in place to mm-hmm. fix it um, in the beginning. And so, yeah, going back to Drake's point, um, it needs to be more than press releases. And mm-hmm. I also am very passionate about retaining diverse talent. It's not enough to just yeah. have my face on the website. If there's no career growth or development for me, then I'm just a face on a website and there's no equity for me to really um, affect change for the communities that I'm trying to advertise to. Yeah. I think that's great. The, the importance of uh, cultural change within the organization and uh, being comfortable with that. And two, I think it's, uh, it's helping brands and organizations understand that by not being diverse and inclusive, you're leaving money on the table. You know, when you have, uh, unfortunately, one-sided campaigns that's going after one key demographic, you're leaving tons of money and opportunity on the table. As we know from research, particularly uh, uh, minority or underrepresented groups, uh, when it comes from a loyalty standpoint, tend to be very, very loyal to brands where they feel like they have a space. And they, once they're loyal and they feel like they're represented, and they feel like they have a voice and they feel like um, they have a space there at the table, they're more likely to stay for years and years and years and back you up and stand with you. You know, I, I, uh, I think gave this example of, uh, I keep picking car brands, um, but Toyota, Toyota has, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I was looking at the numbers. They have somewhere between, I think, I'm going to lowball it 40%, but I mean, almost a 40% market share within the African-American market because they started trying to think through ways that they could be at the table back in the eighties and they continually work. They're not perfect, but they continually work to try and make sure that they put systems in place, hiring uh, we're called at the time multicultural agencies at the time. In the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully there'll become a point where it just becomes agencies and we all think, multiculturally and diversely, uh, but they start coming to the table. So I think it's, it's like you said, one, getting rid of the, the pride and hubris to think that we know everything about everybody, uh, saying that we don't have all the answers and we need to bring people in who I'm sure would love to be in it and give you their perspective on how they're interpreting ads. If you're going to spend the money, millions of dollars on ads, or if you're a small company, you spend thousands of dollars on ads. You want to make sure that, uh, the, the um, those that you're being that are being advertised to feel like they can actually buy your product or that they're represented by that product, and that's every opportunity is dollars and cents to you. Yes, absolutely, and I think I agree with even like as uh, I was talking about beauty brands. I know that if I'm on like Glossier's website or something, and I want to see what a lipstick looks like, they show like every color of like the spectrum. So I'm like. All right, so I look like a little bit of that girl. So, okay, that looks 
like, well, look like me. So cool. I'll get that one. And then I'll get this other one. And then I'll buy this other stuff. And so I think I like that they're more just inclusive and all the brands. So yeah, you're definitely like that positive, like reaction, like, okay, they understand kind of like me as a human being and not just like, I'm just not like everybody else. It's like, I'm okay. So I have these, like, I have a darker skin tone. So then I know like what I, what different brands would like speak to that versus some others. Sometimes it's not always that way. But I mean, so I guess moving forward, like what do you guys hope to see in the future of marketing and like the future generations? Um, Armand, I'll go back to you. What do you think? It's important that at least from a AAF, American Advertising standpoint, uh, that we are reaching, uh, like Drake said, further down, uh, not only speaking to college students, but talking to kids in, in high school and grammar school and and helping to foster the creative talent that's coming up and know that they can actually fit in that space. Um, but my, my hope is that uh, folks realize that as a brand, they have so much opportunity in the platform that they have to make change happen in their communities locally. Um, that venue that they have is worth a lot of money, not only to promote their product to sell something, but also to make change um, uh, in the place where they live. So there's a lot of opportunity. And what we do as, as, a, as a collective group, we can make a lot of change. Absolutely. Sahara, what about you? I was going to say, and I think um, all of us touched on this earlier, but I just hope the future of marketing, we get to a point where... Um, diversity, equity, inclusion, it's not this revolutionary novelty concept. It just is. It's not this thing we have to debate. Um, I hope the future, you know, taking a stance on equality and, you know, having just basic human rights and treating each other with decency Mm -hmm. is not seen as political because I know that stops a lot of brands from speaking out. We don't want to be political. We don't want to alienate our audience. And, you know, the country's demographics are changing and I don't think wanting everyone to be seen as equal and everyone to be treated as equally and equally representative. I don't think that is a political stance. And so I'm really hopeful for the future and, you know, Gen Z and just how they are such a force for change right now. I'm really excited to see how they take, you know, how vocal they are and how they're able to just transform our industry completely in the next 15, 20 years. Absolutely. And Drake, what about you? Yeah, I um, just to echo everyone, I think that when I think of the future of marketing, I, I, I'm very optimistic um, because of Gen Z, to be honest with you, um, because of the, the youth around this country, especially having to grow up as fast as they've had to grow up. I mean, um, you know, we went through the you know recession of 2008, things of that nature. But, you know, these kids today are being hit with things that nobody in the history of civilization has really ever had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that them growing up and seeing how this uh, this era of social change that we're currently in, they don't understand it. And I love that they don't understand why there aren't more people that look like us. They don't understand why we're having a uh, podcast discussion about diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. because to them, 
you know, it, it, that's, that just is. So I'm very excited for it, for that, in that standpoint. And <laughs> just to kind of uh, piggyback off Ramon, that's where it goes, where you, where you reach everyone. So if you start reaching them um, at a young age and they already have it in their head that they're no different than anyone else, well, then you have, you've already, um, you know, cleared a huge hurdle. Um, so from that standpoint, I think that the future looks bright. I also think that, um, for, well, my hope for the future of advertising marketing is that brands will start to have more of a community focus. Um, and what I mean by that is there is so much diversity in each community, and that doesn't necessarily have to be with color. It can be with gender, age, um, you know, mm -hmm. different types of abilities, things of that nature. I think if brands spent as much time and much focus um, worrying about their bottom line as they do worrying about who are we actually trying to reach, then I think the sales on the back end will really work itself out. So I think that um, creating those emotional relationships um, by developing ads that mean something to someone, like I was saying earlier, that is a, a mirror that's a reflection of who you want to be. Um, who you aspire to be, what you aspire to drive. Uh, I think that um, when you when you do that and you focus on that, everything else will work itself out. But the mm -hmm. big caveat to that is in order for those ads to mean something and for order for those ads to resonate, they need to be made by somebody that looks like them Absolutely. or that has. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and I think I'll close it with a, a quote that I found um, earlier that I thought was awesome. It's from uh, John C. Maxwell, who my mom is a huge fan of. Um, he does a lot of personal growth teaching, but he said, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And mm -hmm. I think that is a very, very uh, timely quote for now is that, you know, this is happening. The train is moving like get up, get on it or get lost, you know? So yeah. I think that yeah. the future is very bright and with people like y'all, um, leading the way as well, I think that, you know, we can't lose in this regard. Well, it's beautifully well, said. Yeah, I agree. I <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's just a great conversation. And like you said, I'm, I'm hopeful for the day that we don't have the house podcast. <laughs> like, it's just like you would see it and then it'd be great. I still want to yeah. come back different topics. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We'll always, yeah. Bring you guys back. But um, thank you guys again for our, coming on our podcast and um, hope to see you guys in person, hopefully soon, but um, you guys stay safe and I'll close it there. You guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you too.